Thank you. Thank you for joining the Fastest Known Podcast, part two of the Fastest Known Time of the Year Awards. It's three parts. Last week, we discussed with the number four and the number five winners, how they did it and what they did. And then next week, number three, we'll wrap it up. But right now, we are back for the second of our third in the Fastest Known Time of the Year Awards series, where 51 voters from around the world voted for 49 nominees also from around the world. So we opened this up to everybody. And speaking of around the world, Hillary, who is our first guest today? Yeah, I'm really excited. So from across the pond, uh, we're joined by Anna Troop today. Hi, Anna. How are you doing? Hey, Henry. I'm doing very well, thank you. It's really nice to be here with you both. Oh, good. <laughs> so from that accent, Hillary, um, I think across the pond means United Kingdom. Is that, Am I correct? I mean, I'll let Anna answer that. <laughs> <laughs> very definitely United Kingdom buzz. Yep. <laughs> good. Well, we're, I wonder if the listeners are guessing what route you did, but we're they're about to find out for sure. Hillary, what did our voters award Anna? Yeah, so Buzz, you always leave it the best part for me. So I'm so honored. Um, so yeah, as Buzz mentioned, um, you know, 51 people have voted on the FKTs of the year. So they've ranked uh, what they thought was the most important. And what's really cool about this year, um, again, you should know this by now, but we opened it up worldwide. And so Anna has been voted number three FKT of the year on the on the female side for the Penine Way in the UK. That's so exciting. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, a really nice surprise. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I love I love that. The element of surprise this is the first time you're hearing this. Um, yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about it. Great. Well, of course, what we obviously we're recording audio, not video. But if we were recording video, there uh, we we can see each other, although we're not recording it. And there is, uh, you know, unfortunately, the audio doesn't quite transmit the element of surprise and so forth. But and it, it is fun to talk to you, and I appreciate that you feel good about number three FKT of the year award because you know there's a lot of really amazing things that were happening out there. And before you, we had uh, Addie Bracey and Corey Connor in the Grand Canyon rim to rim, and Brooke Thomas, you know, hiking and running the entire length of New Zealand. And now it's you on the Pennine Way, which is the classic, I think we can say this, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it is the classic long trail in the United Kingdom and certainly the most competitive. You did it just a hair over three days, three days, zero hours and 46 minutes. So thank you. And give us the quick snapshot of the Pennine Way. So the Pennine Way is 268 miles. Um, it goes sort of up the backbone of Britain. It's across a variety of terrain. It's got about 12, 12 and a half thousand meters of climbing in it. Um, and it's one of our oldest national trails. I think it is the oldest national trail. And I suppose um, it's come on the map internationally because your very own John Kelly <laughs> has the men's FKT. And then as a result of that, I think suddenly the rest of the world has woken up to the Pennine Way. Well, that's actually a fair point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is, so it's, it's, a, it's a fair point. John Kelly, expat American, uh, broke a really, really old FKT by uh, Mike Hartley. And then seven days later, his, his friend Damian Hall broke that and then, you know John would have none of that so he did, he came back and did it again so he kind of did put it on the worldwide map 
But here you are, and here's something, here we, I'm, you, I'm sure you have a lot to ask, Anna, but I, there's something I have to ask her right away here, which is just like, what? I don't really understand this. So Anna, you won the spine race, which I believe is the same course. Is that right? It is the same course. It just misses out one final big hill um, towards the end. So you don't do what's called the Chiviet, which is the last big hill. And so it, it's mostly the same. It's 99.9% the same. So you won the spine race on the Pennine Way, and then two weeks later, you went eight hours faster by yourself. So I'm, I don't quite understand this. Am I, am I misunderstanding the situation? No, no, no. This is, this is correct. <laughs> <laughs> so the summer spine race does take place at the end of June, and this was the first time I'd done anything properly long. I'd done lots of hundreds, but I'd never gone that long. Um, and you're right. I, I did win that and, and came second to somebody called Ian Keith, who's very well known in, in long-distance land over here and a multi-time winner of the spine race. He's just won the winter spine this last couple of days. After doing that, I realized I could go a whole lot faster. I'd messed around in checkpoints. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. And, and I just suddenly thought, I, I can do this faster. And I just it just became a, an idea and um, a fun thing to do. It was summer in the UK. <laughs> I thought, why not? So um, a very small group of us got together and, and, and off I went and did it. And not having a pack makes quite a big difference as a, a, you know, as a female. You know, the, the spine packs are big um, because they make you carry a lot of safety kit with you. Um, so not having a pack, I think was always going to make a big difference to the time. And I just shaved an awful lot of faff time off. Um, and, and that's how it happened. Well, what, so Hillary, are you, do you find this a little odd? So you're entering a full on race where, you know, there's aid stations, the whole bit. And then two weeks, which two weeks isn't a very long recovery. She goes eight hours faster. Well, it was, it, it, it was six weeks. I did do a hundred miler three weeks in, later in between. I did something called the Lakeland 100 in between. And then I went and did the spike. So there was three in very, very quick succession. Yes. <laughs> but I think it's actually nice because it makes sense to me because anytime I do a course again, I'm, I think I'm bound to shave time off. I mean, Anna, maybe you said, you know, you're faffing about in some aid stations if there's extra things, extra weight. All of those little things make a difference. But also it's like mentally, if you, you know, have are familiar with a certain spot, even though you're going through it at certain times of day, um, there's this familiarity and it, it gives you confidence. Um, but I mean, is this is this kind of what you felt when even though you're going faster and, you know, kind of in a mini a mini race setting since you did it supported? Um, it, it was. And I think the big thing for me was I'd never gone without sleep. And so that first spine race where I had, I don't know, less than an hour over the whole time, um, I, I knew I could do that. I knew I could keep moving. I knew how to pace it. And I think knowing that you can cope with sort of 10 minute power naps and not very many of them was a key factor to thinking I can really do this far better. I mean, what the FKT doesn't show was that with 60 miles to go, I ended up with a quad tear, my vastus intermedius tour. I had no idea. And so for the last 60 miles, um, I was literally limping along. I couldn't go. I had to go backwards down hills. So it was really, really frustrating. So I will go back. I will absolutely go back. <laughs> so watch out. It will happen again. <laughs> More time to come off. Wow. We go. <laughs> and you actually did go back because there's also the winter spine race. You know, I think the, the Brits, hmm, you know, 
Uh, well, we'll we'll leave little comments, you know, editorial comments out of that. But there is a certain nutty factor here. Maybe not. Maybe you're just really tough. But there's the winter spine race, which you just entered. But did your ham, uh, did your quadricep act up during that? No, I just had a, a very nasty couple of falls in quick succession and ended up with uh, an impact injury to my knee, which meant I couldn't put weight for it. And that happened very early on. So actually, my spine race was all of four and a half hours. <laughs> it was one of those... We all have those disasters, and that is up there with one of my disasters. <laughs> so, wow. On the upside, I'm fresh, and I can now go again. Whereas um, once I'm mended, I can go again. Whereas the winter spine would take weeks to recover from. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, make sure the listeners go on the written show notes because then you get to see the uh, CV. You know, your little bio is online, and indeed, uh, I'm reading it right now. June 2021, summer spine, first place, second overall. Then July 2021, Lakeland 100 first. And then August 2021, Penine Way FKT. So it was like, boom, boom, boom. So you had a heck of a summer. I had a good summer. That's possibly why my cord came up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the, The muscle that no one ever tears. I think that was probably what happened at the end of my very fun summer. Um, sometimes you have to take these risks. Right. But how, how did it differ? Um, I mean, you got to kind of see, see a certain section multiple times, but at different times of year. Um, did you have any interesting weather in addition to, I mean, I know you mentioned sleep was a problem, but normally kind of when you try to combine multiple days in the mountains, you do encounter some sort of weather problem. Did you have any of this? Oh, it was shocking weather. It was meant to be summer, but summer in the UK is always iffy. So it rained for most of it. Um, I, I did actually send Buzz the only sunny photo. <laughs> that was the one <laughs> that was sunny. Um, and, and on the top of the, the last range of hills, the Chibiot Hills, towards the end, um, we were into gale force winds, rain, bog. So yes, it was it was not a summer FKT in some ways. It was, it was classic English weather FKT. But the summer spine was the same. They had some terrible, terrible weather at the end. Um, I think if you're going to live in the UK and play in the UK mountains, it's going to happen. <laughs> it's, it's generally rain and big wind as opposed to really nasty snow and ice. But, you know, it, it was one of those weather days. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I, having uh, been to um, some of the like Wales, northern Wales, um, yeah, fall, uh, I experienced the wind and ice. So... <laughs> Yeah, and did the clag come down as well? So you actually can't see anything. That's another. Oh, yeah. yeah, that yeah. definitely happened. And yeah. then you know, and then it's kind of cool because then it creates. I think this is why people love the UK so much or the UK mountains because you get this fog that comes in and out, and then you get to see these sweeping views, and then they disappear. And so then when you see them again, you're like, oh, it's great now. <laughs> it is. It's great until you have to put a head torch on, and it just bounces back at you, and then that's not. <laughs> you can't see anything. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I would. I would say so. And I've got a question on the kind of the style that you did it in. Um, so yeah, why why did you choose to do it that way? The way you, the way you did it, supported, right? Yeah. Oh, well, it's it's a so it does it passes through the odd town, but you'd have to carry an awful lot to do it properly unsupported and and I think the classic way in the UK is to have fell support you know you've got the Bob Graham round and 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 the other rounds and so fell support is something that I think we're all used to and is part of the process here and part of the joy I guess 
Um, and, and the way I put it together, not being Damien Hall or John Kelly, um, was a very, very small group of, of people. Like I had three in the first half and basically three in the second half. And it was like a boys' road trip with one extra girl. And 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 literally, <laughs> they were in the van. They were more tired than I was at the end because literally they'd go in the van and then they'd roll out and someone would run with me and then the next person would take over. And it was just a normal van because it was the whole sort of lockdown time. So you couldn't find vans that you could sleep in anywhere and none of us owned a van we could sleep in. So it was just a normal van. It was literally a the rest of its time as a taxi and the guys were in and out of this van trying to sleep trying to run so by the end they were absolutely broken more much more broken than me i think <laughs> it, was fun. it was just like a road trip for everybody it was a really really fun small group um yeah I love that about the, I mean, because records, right? So I guess in the UK, I mean, the the culture of a fastest known time is considered, you know, a record, right? They have a really long history of this type of, uh, of running and, you know, trying to get the fastest record on a certain round, as you had mentioned. Um, but I really like the community aspect. And it's almost like really old school of like, you know, the rounds, like having someone physically with you at the peak to make sure that you did it. So... Buzz, is that, I mean, maybe this is a question for you. Are we going to change how we uh, verify the routes? Do we need someone to, to, <laughs> to be seen, <laughs> to see the person? We are, we are going to fully respect our heritage coming out of the UK while doing something else everywhere else. If, if <laughs> well said. Very good. <laughs> but actually, just pausing for a minute, that really is what we've, we've always done. And so if there is a tradition in any place, any country, any area, we adopt it, right? We always want to use the local tradition. But other than that, we sort of have to streamline everything and make everything the same so that you can compete on a level playing field in the rest of the world. So, for example, we, we're we moving away from winter FKTs, you know, summer FKT and winter FKT, because with climate change, it kind of becomes a little specious. All you really want to do is wait for a good day in the winter, and then it's not a big difference. But also the way we define winter in the States is the solstice to the equinox. You know, January, uh, I mean, I should say December 21st to March 21st, approximately. Well, the UK doesn't do that. They go December 1 to March 1. And so in the UK, that's how we do it, too. So that's a good example of adopting to the local tradition. Yeah, you're right there about the climate change that a lot of FKTs over here for winter are set on 1st of December or 2nd of December. <laughs> it's get in early and, and get it done before the really bad weather arrives. Yeah. Right. Well, we don't edit this, so I'm going to go out on a limb. Hopefully I don't get my uh, get chopped off for this next question, Anna. So would it be fair to ask you how old you are? I'm truly ancient. I am currently, well, I'm 51. I'm nearly 52, but so <laughs> I'm probably one of your oldest FKT ladies out there. Well, you probably are, yeah, at least on this year. At least on this year, I believe you are the oldest in the top 10. And I want to say this as a major congratulations rather than anything else. I'm sure all our listeners are going to agree 100%. At age 51, you crushed it. And you're a working person. You have two teenagers. So uh, hats, off, uh, double hats off to you, Anna. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I second that. <laughs> <laughs> the only problem is when you get injured, it takes longer to recover. It's the most frustrating piece. The rest is fine. <laughs> the running's fine. It's just the injuries that are not so good. 
And maybe I can also relate to that a bit too. But I think it's even more impressive. And maybe it gives you, I mean, this word is not meant to be, you know, can, taken, you know, the wrong way, but just wisdom, right? It's like you, you know what works for you. And so then, you know, you can go out there and just execute. So I, I think that that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know if it's wisdom or just um, maybe it's balance because there are so many other things in life and it's not the only thing that matters. Maybe, mm. maybe that's the big change. You can sort of put it and keep it in perspective. Mm. Um, the, I like that. Uh, and and that, that I think has really helped me over recent years. And I've definitely got better with age because it just it's not the be all and end all. It's fantastic when it goes well. But if it doesn't go well, there's tomorrow. <laughs> well maybe tomorrow will actually be a sunny day in the UK you never know <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah that's right well Anna I think I have a lot to learn from you because when things don't go well for me I just fall to pieces I mean I just I'm just an emotional basket case uh, I mean there's a reason I was single for for decades and decades because no one could stand being around me when I got a running injury. So I have a lot to learn from you. <laughs> I've just done too many running injuries recently. I think my my husband would tell you that I'm not the best to be around when I'm injured. I, I was chatting to Hillary earlier and once you can get back on a bike your sort of mental health goes back to a normal place you can deal with no running. Until then it's not very funny. So <laughs> <laughs> when you can feel like you can go training it's all right. Um yep. Yeah. So that doesn't change with age. That desire to do something um, is, is still very much there. Yeah. Totally right. It's really interesting. The desire is definitely there, while other factors do drop off. And in my opinion, I'll, I'll get to your opinion on this, Anna. I think your endurance hangs in there fairly well. Your motivation hangs in there remarkably. Your toughness might even increase. But your flexibility, your pliability, and your strength go down dramatically. That's my personal observation. I think you can manage the strength by making sure you do your weights, which we all hate because we're runners. So by definition, it's the last thing we ever want to do. But if I think I think I can manage the strength, the speed, top speed is gone. And I and I think when you're training as an older person, you have to be really careful about the really hard sessions. So we tend to do those on a bike. And that, that really works. So you can keep the physiology going on the bike and save yourself for the sort of steadier running without risking the injuries. That's how we tend to work age. <laughs> that, this, is, age. this is brilliant. And I have to tell you what I was doing yesterday. Hillary knows what I was doing yesterday. I was trying to keep up with Hillary on the bicycle. Well, that would have been a careless thing to do. That's why would you try to keep up with Hillary anywhere? <laughs> and he can do it very well. So, I mean. <laughs> well, we had it. We, we had a. So, and I very much appreciate your advice. You have to do the hard sessions on a bike. And that's uh, indeed uh, how it went for me yesterday. So, excellent. You always want to get advice that you're already doing. Uh, but we always have to pay attention to the things that we're actually not doing. So thank you for that. You can keep How up on the strength. How are your weights, Buzz? How are your weights? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, I'm doing that. That's it. No. Excellent question. I am one of those runners who in the winter like to go in the gym. I'm all about the gym. However, in times of COVID, I don't like the gym because I can't exercise wearing a mask. So outdoors, no mask, we're all good. But in a gym, you really should wear a mask. I can't do that. So the weights have been struggling this past two winters for that reason. And the SNC, the body weight stuff, you've been busy doing that? 
Oh, wow, look at this, Hillary. <laughs> it is on me. Wow, she's totally flipped the podcast interview over. Now I am being grilled to make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I, I appreciate this, actually. Mm -hmm. Really, I do. And yes, body weight exercises, I'm definitely staying on that, but it's not quite the same. But, but my flexibility is better. I'm, I'm able to keep up on that, but the strength is not quite the same. And I think that's one thing about doing an FKT over a race over here, particularly where they give you an awful lot of mandatory kit. And, and Hillary will know this from doing UTMB type races. But over here, particularly things like the winter's fine, you are also carrying sleeping bags and stoves. And they, so by the time you've got all your pack together and it's about eight kilos on your back, that's a big percentage of body weight. And that really comes down to managing the strength and training, training to know how to do that because it, it, just in terms of core and everything else, it, it's quite a big movement. Um, and it's really interesting. And Hillary with her coach's hat on, there's very little written about how to train for running with a pack. No, no, nobody really writes about that or thinks about that. And when you think about it as a percentage of body weight for most females, I think it's a really interesting area that could be looked at in more detail. I, I never see anything on that. So there we go, Hillary. That would be my... <laughs> I like it. And I mean, also to mimic what you're saying about strength, I mean, I coach a lot of women and um, I actually, I argue that it's, you know, women after the age of 30, they can start losing bone mass. And so like, it's actually important to maintain strength and get in the gym, you know, for women starting at a pretty young age and continuing on. And that's just to maintain healthy you know, muscle mass, but also just to support the running that you're doing. Because, you know, most people think, oh, I need to get in shape. I need to do these endurance things. But long, slow movement can only help you so much. You have to build yourself back up. So, and I think that's really interesting about the 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 packs. It's like, I always tell my athletes to train with their race pack, um, right? Because it, it changes your gait. But yeah, it's something... Yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll write something about this. I my own personal that, study. Yeah, I think I think your blog needs a whole thing on on packs, Hillary. Okay. okay. <laughs> Sounds great. Wow, eight kilos. I had no idea. So it, we're just bouncing back here, Anna. So for the summer spine race, there's still a mandatory kit. People in the states aren't aware of this. They're, to my knowledge, Hillary, maybe you know something else. There is no mandatory kit on any race. In the United States, well, if you go over to hey. Europe, it changes completely. I mean, I think as a blanket statement, I think now races maybe are requiring it a little bit. Like I was thinking about a race in um, Utah when there was kind of a winter storm that blew that blew in. But yeah, it's it's hard. It's I can say that there's no race that checks mandatory equipment like they do in the race in the races in Europe, primarily that I have done, where you're literally stopped and penalized like several minutes or, you know, you can't continue on past a certain point. So they take it much more seriously, um, which is kind of ironic because in the United States, our, our mountains are very remote. We don't have like refuges every 10K. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hard Rock has no mandatory kit. And you're right. out there, you can be above 14,000 feet uh, at night in a thunderstorm and there is no mandatory kit. Mm-hmm. So, and I suppose that's where the debate, and I, I, I've seen John Kelly wade into this debate and, and write about this, which is that the responsibility is yours, the runner, to take the appropriate kit. Um, so I think it, the argument does go both ways, but the races that I've tended to do, um, the mandatory kit list is, is long and they really check. So winter spine includes things like goggles um, because of the wind and 
and and you know you've got to be carrying a lot of water particularly in the summer because the checkpoints are 45 50 miles apart so it's it's yeah you might not find water en route even in england occasionally <laughs> <laughs> wow wow boy I, so you, you're not getting any of our listeners to sign up for this race anna so you you have to bring water yet it rains all the time you have to wear <laughs> goggles and you can't see anything so i mean you are not a pr person are you I take it differently. I think it's 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 a selling point because then it just means you're going to be prepared all the time if you have everything in your pack. And and some people do take that view, and they have twelve kilogram packs with full. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it, it's billed as Britain's most brutal. So it, I I suppose people love they love the brutality of it. But um, I, I think if you're trying to run it fast, no pack is the way to go. <laughs> Definitely the way to go. Um, so I really appreciated that difference when I was doing the FKT. And as we've said many times with an FKT, you can pick your day, you can pick your starting time. If you say, I'm going to do it on Wednesday and it's there's a storm on Wednesday, you say, no, I'm going to postpone till the next day. And you're going to pick your weather window, which is part of the FKT process. That's fair strategy to pick the time of day and pick the date. But in a race, no, you're starting no matter what. I'm smiling at this buzz because I have this image of this idea that you can pick the day. When you're working and you have children, you pick this window that says, oh, I've got about four days of nothing in my diary. I've got to do it then. <laughs> and that's it. You just go and do it. <laughs> so that's the reality of FKTs for all of us who are not full-time athletes. Wow. I stand corrected. <laughs> Once again, you are totally right. Thanks, Anna. <laughs> Well, I didn't mean to correct you. It's just I'm laughing because we had such a nightmare trying to put it together at the very last minute and, and trying to get people's calendars. They're working. It's their holiday to support you. Ultimately, you just have to go, it's this window and I'm going. And, and if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, well, it doesn't really matter. A bit of rain, a bit of wet, a bit of wind. <laughs> <laughs> it's the UK. <laughs> Well, Anna, congratulations again, and thank you for your outstanding advice. I'm sure everyone benefited from it as much as I did, and I'm going to get back in the gym as soon as I can. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing the results, Buzz. Wow. <laughs> the FKT calendar. I can see it now. <laughs> <laughs> That's motivation. I'm motivated. Well, thanks again, and we look forward to hearing what uh, when you go back to the Pennine Way uh, later on this year. Thank you. I'll let you know when I do. That was fantastic talking with Anna. Really learned a lot. And now we are back in the U.S. of A, I think, Hillary, who is our next FKT of the Year award winner. Yeah, so unfortunately we couldn't get an interview, um, but the I would I will be happy to announce who's the number three voted on the male side, and this is Timothy Olson for his PCT, um, and this is the basically California, Oregon, and Washington version of the PCT. Um, Buzz, I know you have lots of information. Uh, so we're going to do an interview between the two of us, discuss the discuss this FKT since we don't have Timothy with us here today. Right. It's too bad. Timothy 
did get back to us, emailed back saying he was on meditation retreat in Costa Rica. Sorry, we, we just couldn't get him on. But he was on the podcast before he started his Pacific Crest Trail attempt. And in the written show notes, we'll have a link to that podcast in case you want to hear him directly. And uh, just to you know, finish it up here, Pacific Crest Trail, one of the premier routes, uh, very competitive, big history, border to border. And Timothy did it in 51 days, 16 hours, and 55 minutes, which is 51.3 miles per day. And that's that's solid because that's 2,653 miles. So that he was very, very consistent. Yeah. And, I mean, we... We interviewed a few people like before before his um, before his attempt because of course Timothy did it supported you know in these multi day um, these multi day FKTs especially one as long as the Pacific Crest Trail um, you need a lot of support and so you know Timothy definitely had that and I think that's kind of what allowed him to be um, to be successful and of course for for Timothy. Um, you know, he had his family there with him too. So that added, I think, uh, a different level of encouragement, but also maybe, maybe a little bit of stress. Um, but I think for, for Timothy, it's, I think it was maybe more encouraging encouragement since he's such a family man. That's a heck of a point. I agree completely. And again, sorry, we don't have Timothy here to, uh, to say that thing himself. And we definitely don't want to put words in his mouth, but yep. He had a strong support crew, uh, with Krista, his wife, who is, if I may say so, she's tough. I mean, I've seen her crewing him at Hard Rock. She, she's a crew chief. She knows what she's doing. And then her father, Timothy's father-in-law, Bob Loomis, he's a, an attorney. He's really together. He's really organized. And they had, I think, also Jason Coop down there. Mm-hmm. So he had, a, he had a tight but solid, really solid crew. Mm-hmm. But I think you need it for those because it's like the day in and the day out. You need like a good support system to obviously to help you recover, right? From you know a, a sleep or um, nutrition standpoint, or just you know getting your feet up after the run. But then also, you know, the people there to to take care of the other details. And I think he definitely had that. Um, and I think if those are kind of ignored, um, you know, you can you can. It, time can add up, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're out for two months. This, you're so right. Two months. You can't just you know run yourself into the ground. You can't just eat gels for two months. Ugh. You really have to take care of everything. Right. And so, Buzz, talk to me. Um, there was maybe a little bit of controversy with this route, and um, I'd like you to help uh, you know us understand why that why there might be a little bit of con- controversy when it comes to Pacific Crest Trail. Of course, last summer there was giant wildfires, which you can kind of expect. You could it was a when I checked, uh, I think I put it on the podcast when we had them on. And again, definitely listen to that if you want. Now, there'll be a link in the show notes. I was noting that the Sierra snowpack was at eighteen percent, eighteen percent. So it was dry, and sure enough, uh, he got started. You know, it's always south to north. By the way, you start the Mexican border, and as he got up into California. You know, Oregon caught fire. I mean, just, you know, towns were getting burned to the ground. And so the Forest Service would issue these closures, mandatory closures. The trail is closed. And so what do you do? You know, you can't just quit and go back next year. And this is a huge production. You can't gear this up again. And here's the interesting thing, Hillary. 
um, Carol Sabe and Joe McConaughey, who the previous FKT holders, had also done reroutes. And so the P PCT has kind of become a little problematic. And I'm going to interject a side note right here is that we are going to remove it as a premier route for 2022. It's just too annoying. <laughs> you know, it's always going to be a little different. And we'll what we probably will do is establish a 2022 version, maybe a 2023 version, because the route might literally change every year. And we right. should also note that if the Forest Service issues a mandatory closure, and if you go through it, you will be denied the FKT. I mean, if you're doing something illegal, no, can't do that. Just like you can't trespass on Native American lands and things like that. So the controversy, I mean, I could, I think people had a reasonable point to question it. I also note there's two other points raised besides the fire closures. One is that unlike the previous people, the closures were so extensive this year, you couldn't do just a walk around. You know, leave a trail of footprints going around the closure. It was so extensive that what through hikers were doing was just leaving the trail, hitchhiking on a road for like 30 or up to 50 miles, and then rejoining the trail. He right. couldn't do it that way. And so they engineered a workaround where he would go up to the actual closure, and you can see this on the GPX track, back it up, come out. And get driven around to the other side of the closure because you don't really want to run 50 miles on a paved highway and then come in and then run backwards to that, to the northern edge of the closure, and then continue on. In doing so, they actually did the same mileage and the same vert, but did not leave a continuous footprint. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I can understand how that can get a little bit tricky. And then <laughs> also, you know, you can't guarantee, obviously, that the same closures are going to be consistent from year to year. So, yeah, it is it is a different it is a different uh, route. But also, I mean, that disruption. Right. I think to someone's rhythm and um, just, you know, that the mentality that you have to have in these, you know, through these, you know, very long trail FKTs. Um it was no fun. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's not like this is the easy button at all. It's just a total no. pain in the neck, no matter right. what. Yeah. And so that he and his crew persevered through it. As I said, we're going to demote it as a premier route due to its problematic nature. Mm -hmm. The third thing that caused a little bit of concern, and again, this is these are good concerns. So I think our, our community really stepped up and gave us some strong feedback that we are going to adopt, we're going to learn from this experience and do a better job. So they requested no live tracking. Hmm. And his, you know, he was going for it. I mean, he wanted the FKT. He was, this was a throwdown, right? He's not going out there saying, oh, we are going to see what I can do. No, he was going for the FKT. And he gave us the example of Scott Jurek on the AT a number of years previous, where Scott would spend the first 15 minutes every morning signing autographs. And, you know, cool. That's great. You know, good for the brand, good for the sponsors, but not good for making forward progress. And so they decided that they didn't want live tracking, and we agreed. This gets really interesting. Hmm. In the future, we're not going to do that. You're going to say you have to do live tracking because what we learned is there's people who are on it. 
and they're doing a good job. They're watching every footstep. <laughs> if you're on the AT and you you know you set one foot off the trail, someone's going to hey that guy set one foot off the trail, which is good. You know, it's it's like crowdsourced verification, and right. they couldn't they couldn't crowdsource verify this. Now, as it happened, they shared the tracker with us, and so we could privately look at it. But we're not going to do that again. It's this. We love our community. Our community is really, really good at this. And so to crowdsource verification is a good way to go. So if anyone who's listening who didn't like the way that was done, we're not going to do it that way again. <laughs> Except, I'm sorry, this is nuanced. This is how it goes. Women often ask us to keep it private for hmm. obvious reasons. Indeed, some of our other FKT of the Year Award winners, you know, that we've uh, had on this show right now, did that. They were not live tracked because if you're a woman out there on the Colorado Trail, do you really want everyone to know exactly where you are? I mean, no, <laughs> I definitely <laughs> don't. But um, I'm I'm a bit different. I don't like people knowing where I am you know, generally speaking. So, um, yeah, I can definitely respect that nuance buzz. Um, but I also do respect, uh, the fact that, you know, you want it to be published and you public and you want people to see where people are going. And I think, you know, I think back to, I mean, we just had this conversation with Anna or with her Penine way, like back in the UK, like this whole idea of the records in the United Kingdom, where there's literally people physically there at certain peaks or checkpoints, making sure that you're there. So I think for, since we can't do that for these long trails, like the PCT, it makes sense to have, to have live tracking and that, you know, that community-based um, accountability. Uh, but I also think of something like Joe, Joe, Joe the string bean, Joe McGonaghy, we just talked to, you know, he's number four FKT of the year for his Arizona trail and he quit and, you know, he needed people who were following him to literally tell him and encourage him to, you know, to get back out there. And there can also be some positives, too, if people know where you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good example. Both, I, you had two good examples. Joe, where he said, shin deep snow, this is awful, I can't do it. And then you know, sitting there in the motel room and people saying, hey, come on, actually, you're over three days under, you still can do it. But Hillary also liked your example of Anna and the Pennine Way and what, how she describes the situation there. Because for us, you know, we are, you know, we, meaning you and I at least, are Americans. We kind of, you know, the Wild West, the independent spirit. We kind of like the unsupported, the self-supported. But in Europe, it's just not a thing. It just isn't how they do it. And I like what Anna said. They like to share the joy. They want to be there with friends and family to share the experience. And at the same time, well, I'm, I don't want to speak too dramatically, but they don't have a lot of what we know as wilderness. I mean, you're you're out there, sure. Yeah, you know, Pennine Way, you're, you're definitely out there. But even UTMB, you've been on that course. I mean, yeah, you're, you're out there, which means you might be, oh, let's see, what would it be? Oh, oh, I got, I'm about to say something might not be correct, but I don't think you're ever more than 15 miles from a town or a hut. A UTMB? Yeah. Oh, I would actually agree with that. 
And even yeah. on the, the, the TDS, like the most, uh, even the more remote, you might feel like you're a little bit more remote, but you're really not even more than, you know, 10K away from. Now, this is 10 kilometers, yes, on the trail, 10 to 20K on the trail. However, it's very steep there, so it could take hours and hours to get there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, on the Pacific Crest Trail, on the other hand, you can go for days. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, good question. So that's how we resolved it. Would you uh, like to tell us or would you like to hear what some of the voters said about Timothy's effort? Yeah, I would. Um, because, of, of course, with all these controversies, right, it's, it's interesting, but it was still voted and, and, you know, the community thought it was a very important FKT. So I think it's, it's, it would be interesting to see what the voters, what the voters thought. Well, here's three quotes. One, Timothy Olson poured his heart into the project and took many of us along for the ride, rooting for him the entire way. Okay. And he did pour his heart into the project. Another comment was, an FKT on such a long route amid fire closures took tenacious resolve, relentless drive, and exceptional navigation crewing. Can't argue with that. I, I mean, would definitely agree. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh you know, the, the, the crew of the year. Maybe we should have a, a crew of the year oh, award. I and think that or, you know, um, not Anna, but who else did we speak to um, for her, uh, for Brooke, for her parents? Oh, Brooke. Yeah, that's <laughs> we good were point. out there for, you know, same, pretty much same amount of time. <laughs> 57 You're days. right. 57 so. days going north to south across an entire country. Yeah, those those would be the top two crew efforts. <laughs> Maybe, probably. And then the, the last comment from a voter, Tim Olson surgically crushed it, and the riffraff surrounding his reroutes doesn't dissuade my opinion at all. So there you go. Number three, male FKT of the year. We got it. It's, yeah, it's a good one. Sad Timothy can't be here, but... It's interesting to talk about it, and so I hope I hope everyone's enjoyed uh, us talking about it as opposed to having Timothy here. <laughs> In absentia, congratulations, Timothy and crew. Okay, a little controversy is perfectly normal in any sport. We deal with it really well. It's a big tent in this community. But this next one is kind of non-controversial. It's sort of straight ahead. People really like this one a lot. So, Hillary, who's up next? Yeah, so again, we have uh, someone that I hope the listeners are familiar with. Um, but today, uh, we have the number two voted FKT uh, of the year on the female side. We've got Michaela Osler for the Vermont uh, The Long Trail. Um, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, my gosh. Number two? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's I so exciting. Yeah, I did not. I'm I'm very excited to to say it to you for the first time. <laughs> wow! Now I'm speculating about number one. <laughs> I have my I've got favorites, but anyways, <laughs> <laughs> thank you all so much for having me. I'm like I'm so excited to be here. Oh, good. Well, yeah, Buzz, take it away. Let's uh, get into into your FKT and you know tell us about it. Well, thank you, Michaela, because as you know. We didn't, Hillary and I, I mean, Hillary and I actually 
you know, I think we did vote for you, but it's not us. It's not FKT.com. It's your peers. It's the community are the ones to thank. They're the ones who voted for you. It's a very democratic process. And the long trail, of course, Vermont, north to south, across the entire length of the state, I think, I'm pretty sure this is the oldest long trail in the whole continent, uh, one of the oldest in the world, actually. So it's super classic. And so what's your take on it? And I'll give you a little, pers- little perspective here, because last year you set the FKT on the Colorado Trail, about 500 miles. This is like 220 miles. It's a little different, but this is also known as a total mud fest. So what's yeah. your take being a Westerner going back to New England? Well, I'm from Vermont originally. Oh. I, I actually don't totally identify as a Westerner. It's sort of a, I'm a transplant. Um, so actually, I, when I originally, you know, I like read Heather Anderson's book about the Appalachian Trail while I was on the AT and I started being like, maybe I could do something not that big, but something like that. Sounds like she, you know, had a bad time in a good way. Um, so I originally was thinking about the long trail. That was always the one that I wanted to do. But then there was a pandemic and I I live in New Mexico and I just felt a little bit better about doing the Colorado Trail last year, like not traveling across the country, et cetera. Um, But no, it was always, even when I was on the Colorado Trail, I was kind of thinking of it as like a learning experience in preparation for the long trail. So I, I mean... That landscape is really special to me. I grew up like, I don't know, maybe like four miles from the Long Trail. Those mountains are really special to me. Um, And I wanted, you know, I I was like, okay, I can travel this year. I want to like go home to Vermont. I want to go home to Vermont and do something I love, which is have an awful time in the mountains. Well, I had no idea. Well, thanks for clarifying that. The landscape is is totally different. I mean, Mm -hmm. all the trails out west were essentially built by horses. It was horse exactly. packing, and occasionally some donkeys and mules, but the the const- actual construction was done by pack animals as well, often four mm-hmm. pack animals. In New England, no, not no. at all. And so if you're going up a mountain, you are going up a mountain. The whole concept mm-hmm. of switchback is, doesn't exist. And like even in the East Coast, I think that the long trail is like – especially awful you know I remember I did the Appalachian (laughs) Trail in 2019 and I remember getting on the AT in Georgia and kind of expecting it to be like you know Mount Mansfield for 20 now whatever 2200 miles and I got on the AT in Georgia and I was like oh my gosh this is so easy wow (laughs) Um, and I mean it's all hard like that I don't want to you know sort of downplay how hard the AT is but I I think that the Vermont trails like I don't know there's sort of this like love of suffering slash love of going from the highest point to the lowest point and back to the highest point that makes the long trail just incredibly brutal. But, you know, I think you see a lot of great stuff and it's sort of, I don't know, it feels like culturally um, sort of like, it it reminds me of Vermont culture in some ways. It's like, well, we're going to just work really hard and have a hard time and (laughs) enjoy where we are. Uh, unlike us Coloradoans, we're going to kind of <laughs> yeah. have a really good time, get a good suntan, and have a microbrew. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a wooded summit. Why would you do that? <laughs> Which I think has its merits, actually. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, something that I noticed too, I mean, I was out in Vermont for the first time actually doing a gravel bike race and outside of Burlington, mm-hmm. I actually did a run up a run. We'll use this in quotations. <laughs> yeah. of, of, of camel's hump. And this was mm-hmm. this was mm-hmm. in July and it was so incredibly <laughs> muddy and steep. And I mean, it was hardly a run. I mean, I love this type of terrain, but like I was thinking, I mean, you know, we've interviewed um, Joe McConaughey on this podcast and mm-hmm. he's had a record on that. And just people who do these long trails, especially at terrain, it, like in Vermont, I was thoroughly impressed. So, um, and yeah, no switchbacks, which I also appreciate. <laughs> Thanks. So yeah, it's, um, I mean, I think that the Southern half does, maybe it doesn't have switchbacks, but it, it has a little bit more of like chill terrain, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, I don't know. I think that that I, I was, so I was working with Joe as a coach actually before this, and we talked a lot about this trail and about how it kind of, has it's sort of like a perfect challenge you know it's it's short enough that you can do it unsupported um and it's like this incredibly classic route but it just like kind of beats you down um yeah well joe should know um and, <laughs> yeah, and, he does know. and as hillary mentioned the long trail has been very competitive it's one of our mm-hmm. premier routes for a reason because every year there's multiple F literally every year multiple FKT attempts on it, mm-hmm. and you went self-supported, which a unsupported actually unsupported yeah unsupported. Oops, I'm sorry. Thank <laughs> you. Good clarification, which uh, I think voters appreciate, particularly mm-hmm. a uh, a particular voter on this very podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm biased and like I said it's okay to be biased because I do I do like uh, I think that that style makes sense but that was a question mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you as well mm-hmm. I mean for something like let's compare to because you did the Colorado Trail and mm-hmm. that you did self-supported if I'm not mistaken um, because it makes sense you're going like through gas stations and areas and mm-hmm. towns but I mean I I'm, does that different on the long trail um, because at least I remember from where I could access mm-hmm. the the long trail it was kind of far away far removed from any any town so it didn't really make sense maybe to do self-supported it made more sense to do unsupported or just a different challenge you tell me um maybe some of both I think I'm trying to think I you know I didn't even look that much into resupply logistics on the long trail except that if I had done it self-supported, I like could have slept at home, you know, like I could have gone back <laughs> to my house. <laughs> so that was certainly on my mind at that point in the trail. Um, but I, um, I think that unsupported was a really interesting challenge to me after the Colorado trail. I think that there were a lot of problems that I solved sort of on the fly when I was on the CT, which made a lot of sense. Um, you know, I didn't go into that attempt super prepared um, in some ways. And I, I learned a lot and I kind of wanted to see if I could apply that learning to doing it unsupported because there's so much more that you have to anticipate in the unsupported FKT that you can't anticipate um, or that like, you know, with a self-supported or supported FKT, you can kind of just, um, you know, go to a gas station and get yourself some ibuprofen or (laughs) or caffeine pills or whatever you forgot. Um, But I also think, I don't know, I I do see what you're saying about that being a different challenge. And certainly like, you know, I, I probably like miscalculated how much food I needed and was just so hungry the whole time and stuff like that, where um, 
you know, unsupported is harder, but I also think that there's a lot to be said for not giving yourself the option of kind of like wasting time going to town or, you know, even on the Colorado trail, you hike past um, that ski resort. I forget what it's called, but anyways, you hike right past the ski resort. It was like my second or third day on the trail. And I was like, I could go down there right now. I could be having pizza and a beer, but like, I have to keep going. I, you know, I can't even go there. So I do, I don't know. I think I have, even when resupplies are an option, I think there's a lot to be said for doing an unsupported effort. But with that said, I think I'm a little bit like, maybe I need to take some time off from unsupported FKTs because that was really hard. (laughs) Well, this is an excellent question that Hillary brought up. Unsupported, Mm -hmm. just to clarify, means you brought all your food from start Mm -hmm. to finish. That's really, really different. Self-supported, you can walk into a store, you can actually walk into a Starbucks, you can walk into a Mm four-star hotel. Mm -hmm. As long as no one is helping you, that is still self-supported. You can cash Mm -hmm. food along the way. But you start off with all the food on your back, unless you're eating roots and berries. You can eat roots and berries. I did. I tried to eat this thing I thought was rhubarb, but I think maybe it was burdock. I don't know. Took a couple bites. It was very bad. (laughs) I did not continue with that. Have you seen Into the Wild? Please don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, I was like, Edible. It seems like it. <laughs> but okay, deceptive. They're smart. Okay, anyways, I digress. But I think the thing about unsupported too, actually, as you were talking to Sarah Buzz, that I was thinking is it's not just food. I mean, food is kind of like okay, I need forty five hundred calories per day or whatever, or I need you know, it's it's pretty like you can make a spreadsheet and figure out your food. But I think it's also like what you know medical needs am i going to have like how much blister care stuff do i need to pack um like how much battery do i need for my like all of my electronics died you know um just like all of those other things that i think were really a little bit more you know in the planning phase difficult for me to figure out because it's it's so like well i don't want to carry too much kt tape for my blisters because that's really heavy but i also don't want to end up having a bunch of blisters, nothing to do with them. So that was uh, difficult. And some of it I hit spot on and some of it I did not. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. The, the, you have to, you have to calculate it down to the gram. So I have to ask (laughs) going straight to this one, six days, 11 hours, 33 minutes, which means this is seven days. Now, basically I figure a kilo per day. Which is, you know, 2.2 pounds. Yeah. Mm. How about, what did you, but that puts you way up there. That puts you at, you know, 16 pounds of food. Is that mm-hmm. where you were at or how did you figure your per day? Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think about this, actually. That's a good question. I did, I want to say 4,500 calories per day and I was shooting for uh, like between 100 and 150 calories per ounce and everything I was carrying Um, so it was, I believe it was a little over two pounds per day and it wasn't enough. I, so I had been talking with Joe right before, because he had been talking to Joey Camps about his, he was thinking of doing the Colorado trail unsupported and he was planning to bring some ridiculous, like maybe 4,000 calories per day. And like the only text I sent to Joe the whole time I was on the long trail was like, please get in touch with Joey Camps and tell him it's not enough. (laughs) 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 Sad. It was, uh, yeah. So, I mean, my pack was just ridiculously heavy. My whole back 
chafed. I didn't even really like post photos of that online because I had better injury photos, but my, it was just like all scabs for a couple of days. And, but then, you know, you eat it, you eat the food and then your pack gets light. Sort of. <laughs> right. It's, it's a fascinating equation, isn't it? Because you're sitting there saying, well, I'm kind of hungry. And the more I eat, the lighter this pack's going to get. But you know, you got a few days to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's really tempting to bring fat based foods because it's a higher calorie per ounce. But, you know, I think maybe if you're doing keto, that works. But if you're not fat adapted or whatever, like that stuff is not going to be filling and it's not, you're not going to have, it's not going to be like satisfying to eat at all. And I kind of, I think I might've gone too far on the fat side and not enough carbs. Well, I mean, I can speak to the physiology of it too. It's like even when when you're when you are burning fat, like this whole fat adapted and women are better at it than men, you're actually burning endogenous fat. It's the fat mm-hmm. stores that you already have. So eating fat, your your body it takes so much energy, it takes extra water, it takes mm-hmm. extra like oxygen to burn and break down that fat. So it's actually, that's better for like, you know, if you're sleeping something at the end of the day that you take mm-hmm. something that's, that's higher fat, but during mm-hmm. the exercise, it's primarily carbs. Dang. That's a good point. I liked it. Yeah. This, I uh, that. that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you should have listened to Hillary uh, about seven months ago. I know. <laughs> Where were you? I needed you. You can text me. I need well. someone to be like, put those peanut butter packets away, Michaela. <laughs> Eat those well, that, at night. <laughs> exactly. well, that, yeah. that, that is that is exactly true. And what Michaela said a minute ago, it's nine uh, calories per gram of fat. And you can eat pure sugar. It's four. So mm-hmm. fat has over twice the calories per weight. So I, when I'm backpacking, do a fair amount of oils as well. But like you said, when you're pushing it, doesn't work. You know, it's, it's I, Hillary's point was really spot on. It's not actually coming from the food that you're having to break down, which is going to take actually hours to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is great. What support? She's out there texting, saying, "Bring more food." This is uh, <laughs> no this is nothing. Good. Tried to eat the rhubarb slash burdock. Didn't help. <laughs> oh man, I've got another strategy. This is from Bern Heinrich. He's a he's a he's a, bi- a botanist and a biologist. He's written re- many running books, but I read this book. It's called um, The Homing Instinct, and it talks about how birds, you know, are migrating over these long distances, and how they prepare for it is they fatten up before, so they get their fat stores mm-hmm. um, like mm-hmm. you know topped off, and then they can you know use it, um, and they get really lean during it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Another strategy, just don't bring the fat with you, put it on before. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, I mean, then your base weight or like your food weight goes down, you know, because you're kicking <laughs> it out of your body. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not the well, best idea, but still. Yeah. Well, yeah. theoretically it works, but functionally, wow, it's no. painful. <laughs> I think whenever you're burning body fat, it's like a really bad feeling, you know? It is. <laughs> it's not. Even if it's like, yeah, physiologically sound, it's pretty unpleasant emotionally. <laughs> Exactly. Well, that's my opinion. I hear other people doing it, and I'm impressed. And I'm glad to hear you two are a little more in my category of being yeah. a little weak on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what a flip happened here, Michaela. Mm-hmm. I think you probably know what I'm talking about. I'm just going to review it. So in 2019, two years ago, Nika Myers, she did the long trail, got the number three FKT of the year for a long trail. And then last year, you were tied with number four for your Colorado Trail. Mm-hmm. But now this year, you went over to the Long Trail, 
and beat Nika's time on it. Mm -hmm. 13 days later, she beat your time in the Colorado Trail. So you two mm -hmm. just flip-flopped each other. Is, was this, what's up with this? Were you guys kind of into it or was this coincidental? Um, well, I guess it was kind of coincidental. So I don't know, probably a couple months before the long trail, I got in touch with Nika and I guess we like, you know, followed each other on Instagram before that, but I got in touch with her and was like, you know, I'm thinking of going after your long trail FKT. And she was like, wow, I was just going to get in touch with you. I'm going after your Colorado. Or like <laughs> I'm thinking of that Colorado trail. Um, and you know, then we, we got in touch. We talked on the phone maybe once or twice before. And then a couple times after, um, we're both from Vermont and like have a pretty strong connection to the long trail. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think I just like, I learned so much from Nika before the long trail. Um, she just, I, I don't know. I have so much like respect for her. She's just like an amazing athlete. And I think that her approach to FKTs where she is just so like blissed out to be in nature and then also like having a good time seeing what her body is capable of and really sort of foregrounding that connection to the landscape and that connection to um, sort of having, um, you know, like setting it up for herself to have a, an experience that is meaningful and not just like about numbers or how fast she goes or stuff like that. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I think I really respect that and have like tried to emulate that with varying degrees of success. But I thought about her a lot when I was on the long trail. Um, and I thought about her just like blissed out and like talking to a newt <laughs> on her last night. She told me about that. And I was like, wow, you're amazing. Um, so yeah. And then I think she kind of from what I understand, she was a little back and forth about doing the Colorado trail. And then she just like a window opened up and she went out there and she did it and she totally crushed it. I think it's amazing. Good. Well, thank you for the clarification. What the back and forth, the flip flop was very interesting. I did not know you're both from Vermont. <laughs> so uh, Vermont is faring very well in the 2021. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> That's right. You're totally right. Did you know well, we went to high school together? No. Yeah. Oh, well, in case listeners don't know what we're referring to, so Ben Feinstein, am I pronouncing that correctly? Feinstein. Feinstein <clears throat> was in the top 10. You can read it on the article on the website. In the top 10 for a long, men's long trail record, and you went to high school with him, and you have the female long trail. Dang. So this yeah. is this high school. Man, there's something yeah. in the water. I don't know. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, we look forward to seeing what next year brings, Michaela. Appreciate you a great deal. And listeners can go on the written show notes and listen to your podcast from last year as well. There'll be a link to that. Congratulations again. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. It was really fun. Okay. Winding up. Our second FKT of the year 2021 podcast. We have a person that has been on before. I'm going to give you a hint. I'm going to give you a hint of who this person might be. He was our second ever podcast. Can you believe that? Our second ever. That was three years ago. And so I would like to congratulate the number two male FKT of the year, Carol Sabe. Welcome, Carol. Hey, Buzz. Thanks. Thanks. 
Yeah, what do you think? Number two. Yeah, it's uh, awesome. I mean, I uh, I didn't know what to expect from uh, this year's voting. I mean, um, yeah, I did two big FKTs in the United States, uh, but this time I went to look for one in, in Europe uh, on maybe a lesser known trail. So it means uh, it means quite something to me to yeah to be the second uh, FKT of of uh, the entire 2021. And this is international, of course. Yeah. So in the past, we've done mainly North America, and then we did North America and Europe separately. But this is worldwide. Mm-hmm. The voters voted you number two in the world. And it's kind of fun because we have good European representation. <laughs> you know, it's I, I, I like that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And yeah, it's um, it's been a hell of a year for, uh, for FKTs again, I think. Uh, so many fun adventures all over the world. And I think it's a fun idea to to mix things up and, and to make it a worldwide um, yeah voting system and and yeah it's really cool. Nice. Well, your FKT is for the Via Alpina, mm-hmm. which I actually had not heard of. Yeah. But this goes through eight countries. This traverses mm-hmm. the entire Alps, which is nuts. If you start at this ocean, just arch up into the Alps, the high mountains, indeed, and then arch back down and finish at the ocean. That's uh, that's kind of that's kind of serious. <laughs> now, you wrote—is this true? You wrote this has one hundred miles of elevation changes. Yeah, that right. It is, it is. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I mean, the longer the distance, the harder it is it is to to estimate the exact number. But it's supposed to be around a hundred miles of uh, of elevation change. Yeah. Well, that's long. It took you. Well, you wanted to go for a month. You wanted to do it in one month, and you kind of yeah, did. Yeah. I mean, if we 30 see it days. As a month from 31 days, then, then it's uh, within a month. Yeah. <laughs> right. If a month is 31, you did it because you did 30 <laughs> days, eight hours, 40 minutes. 40 minutes. Yeah. But uh, you. I mean, you, you, you're so good at this. By the way, in the written show notes will be a link to that podcast we did with you three years ago. Mm-hmm. And you spelled it out. I think you showed how to do long trails. I mean, you're the guy who is early to rise. You start on time every day. You're not putzing around. You're just out there putting in the miles immediately rather than you'd rather start early in the morning when it's dark rather than finish late at night yeah, when it's dark. And I think exactly. you taught people how to do this. Yeah. And, and yeah, it comes partly from, uh, yeah, a, a bit of a, a trauma from the PCT um, where I ran yeah the PCT back in, in 2016. Uh, and over there was the other way around. I was running late at night until after midnight. And those were really the darkest moments and the most difficult ones. Um, and then, yeah, on the Appalachian Trail, I t- decided to use the jet lag to to get out early. And then I realized, okay, this is this is something nice. Uh, I can do my yeah dark hours at, at the beginning of the day when when nothing is hurting yet and and when you feel rather good, and then finish at around sunset. And then for this Via Alpina, I decided to to stick with that uh, approach that I liked on the Appalachian Trail, and and it worked out fine again. Nice. Well, this is, like you just said, Pacific Crest Trail. People didn't hear about that, but that was in 2016. The Appalachian Trail, that was huge. I mean, you just mm-hmm. you just completely crushed that. You, you took a lot of time off that. Mm-hmm. Forty-one. The PCT was 52 days. Appalachian Trail is 41 days. And this was 
30 and a half days. Yep. So you're getting faster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting older. I have to do shorter FKTs. <laughs> uh, no, but um, yeah, my idea this time was yeah to stick to the same mileage that I managed to do uh, during the AT. Uh, but I knew it would involve more elevation change. Uh, I think it was about, yeah, um, 25 or 30% more elevation change compared to the AT. Uh, but with my extra experience from running the PCT, the AT, now I'm yeah more or less figured out how to to do it and and how to stay consistent and, and how to go for it. Uh, and I must admit, especially the first week was was extremely hard to get into it and to yeah to do the distance, to do the elevation change. But then yeah, I got into my my flow again, and and then things took off and and. 30 days later, I was uh, at the ocean again. <laughs> <laughs> well, a few things happened in between. Yeah, exactly. But by your, your normal distance, that's about 50 miles, two marathons a day. Yeah, a good right? 50 miles, yeah. yeah. So 87 kilometers a day I did during the 80, and now exactly the same uh, during the Via Alpina. Yeah. Oh, it was exactly the same? Yep, yep. Wow. wow. Okay. <laughs> nice. Wow. Okay. Well, what... When you read the report, again, listeners should go onto the website or the show notes and read your report. You have a lot of photos in there. Your report is very good. There's a film. Yeah. There's a video. I've yeah. watched the video. Nice. So if someone wants to watch the video, it, again, you have to go through the website. I'm not going to you know, verbally give the URL. That's not going to work. <laughs> um, so what? how would you compare this? We're looking at the PCT, those giant coast this long trail on the West Coast of the United States, mm -hmm. AT, the same thing on the East Coast. Now the Via Alpina, a similar thing in the Alps. So yep. you've got perspective, Carl. <laughs> what is your perspective? Well, yeah, for me, um, yeah, the reasons I, I started off with these FKTs on, on these long trails in the first place was, yeah, at first because I, I desperately wanted to to hike the PCT and, and the AT, uh, but I didn't have enough time to, to just hike them. Uh, and then as I got into ultra running, uh, I thought, yeah, this could be a, a fun idea to to run such a beautiful and, and long trail. Um, and then the PCT was was a, a strange but and, and very difficult but rewarding experience. And then since then, I've, I've realized, okay, when you are digging deep for, for a record and, and you're digging deep in nature, then, yeah, you're quite onto something. And, and it's, uh, it's such a cool experience to, yeah, to dig deep and, and day after day and then see the scenery pass by and, and go to national parks and, and see sunsets and sunrises. And, um, yeah, I kind of find my place in, in these long FKTs and, and I love it. Uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, something I really... Yeah, I'm really passionate about, and and um, I think that's why I'm I'm uh, pretty strong in in these long FKTs. <laughs> yeah, you are. Um, here's a odd little clarification. So you became known uh, back in 2018 and 16 as the Belgian dentist. Mm -hmm. now you were mm -hmm. officially a dentist. Do yeah. you practice dentistry now? Yeah, yeah, I still do. I had a, a day at work today and. Uh, no, I'm still a full-time dentist, um, but yeah, also in the first place, I, I ended up ultra running because I found dentistry a, a quite 
yeah, hard profession. You have to be focused, and and it's a small a small place uh, with not a lot of uh, daylight. And then uh, I used running as a way to to get some relief from from stressful days. And then I realized after after a marathon, after a longer distance, okay, this is fun and and I like this, and especially when it's out in the woods and and in the mountains. And then um, yeah, I ended up running FKTs, but I'm still a full time dentist, and I'm happy to combine it still with with this running. It, it's still a relief to me, and and it's still a, a super nice combination to to combine it with uh, with my dental profession. Great. Well, thanks for the explanation, Dan. You are happily married, so yeah. you've got a balanced life. Well, yeah, it, I'm trying to balance it, but um, I, I could uh, use some some extra hours every day. But uh, yeah, <laughs> right. I try to yeah be creative with with the available time to to get in the running and and to get in uh, the work and the time with the family and everything. So, but it's working out. Well, let me good. Well, let me follow up on this question. I didn't quite. I want your strong, honest opinion. Mm -hmm. The three trails, PCT, AT, and Via Alpina. Mm -hmm. Which one's harder? Which one's more technical? Which one's nicer? Which one's better? If I'm going to hike one of these, what do you have to say? Um, well, I think, yeah, for me, the PCT will always remain, um, yeah, my most special experience and and my most unique experience uh, and many years before actually running the PCT, it was number one on my bucket list because yeah, it has the desert. I like being in the desert. It has uh, Yosemite National Park, Kings Canyon, uh, some of my favorite places in the world. Then you go through some volcanoes, past some volcanoes, and then Washington is really nice. Um, so I think, yeah, that will remain my number one. It's also, uh, a really wild trail, so it's very remote, um, which made it difficult to set the FKT. But um, yeah, and and this century to to have such a remote and and wild experience um, was something very special. Yeah, the Via Alpina was was very uh, unique as well. Um, but yeah, the the landscape changed a lot. Uh, I saw yeah glaciers, uh, different type of rock, and and um, unique landscapes, um, of course, because it's Europe, it's it's less wild. Um, you often see some kind of human element. Uh, maybe it's it's a ski resort or or it's a small village. Um, but scenically, it, it was a great trail to run. Um, but I think of all three, um, the PCT will will remain uh, my my favorite uh, still. Understood. <laughs> Europe is amazing. I mean. The Alps. I'm actually, by the way, going to the Alps for seven weeks this summer. Oh, you are? And it's, yeah, maybe I'll see you there. I'll yeah, send you my yeah. schedule. Yeah. And it's it's terrific, but they're very different. You can't compare them. You mm -hmm. can say, ah, da, 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 da. Well, they're just so different. There's not a square meter of wilderness in well, the Alps. I mean, yeah, there, there's some areas that, yeah. For me, it was um, an exploring journey again. I like to, when I try to set an FKT, instead of, looking up a lot of information and, and look at photographs. I just want to see it as, as an adventure and, and I prefer not to know what's, what's going to come and then be surprised by the landscape. And for the Via Alpina, it was a great approach because yeah, day after day I was surprised by, whoa, this is, this is Europe. And then I, I ran along the biggest glacier of Europe, which was 
mind-boggling how, how big it was. And I thought, okay, th this is from two centuries ago when, when there were still glaciers, but it was a glacier as far as the eye could see. And, and then it was nice to realize, okay, this is also Europe. Okay, it's maybe more more civilized or, or less wild than, than the PCT or, or parts of the AT. Um, but it's still super attractive to be hiking or running there uh, in the Alps, for sure. Gotcha, gotcha. It's a good point. It's moisture, bigger glaciers. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, well said. So you um, had some, again, people should go look at your written trip report and watch the video. You talked about thunderstorms. Mm -hmm. so you had this amazing ability to be methodical, as you've always done. Mm -hmm. Just knock it down every day, organize. Because for something like this, I mean, speed isn't really it. Mm -hmm. It's avoidance of errors and mistakes, yeah. staying healthy, staying methodical. But, of course, if the uh, hail comes down and it's, you know, a centimeter across, mm -hmm. you got to find cover. You and can't healthy, stay yeah. out. And I think that was one, one of the biggest differences with the PCT and the AT. Um, the weather conditions, like the PCT, it's it's blue sky from from start to finish. Maybe one or two days of rain, and and that's about it. In the AT, okay, you get storms, but you're ninety percent of the time you're sheltered because of the woods, and and you can just okay, maybe the trail is flooded, but you can still run, uh, and you're safe. Uh, but during yeah during the Via Alpina, a thunderstorm could come out of nowhere, and and then you're suddenly up high in the mountains, maybe at at nine thousand feet. And then, yeah, uh, you have to find a solution. Uh, and then, um, yeah, one of the the first days, um, I, I ran into a big thunderstorm and, and I made the mistake of being so focused on the FKT to, to run through it. And then, yeah, it could have ended uh, very badly. Um, but that was a big difference. And then I learned from that experience. And then, for example, on, on day 17, um, the weather forecast was showing a, a huge thunderstorm, and then uh, we decided, okay, let's let's push on through the night, even though it's in the middle of this FKT. I push on through the night, try to to do as many miles as possible before the storm hits, and then um, yeah, I, I ended up running, I think uh, a bit less than 100 miles um, in in 30 hours. Uh, just to try to stay ahead of that thunderstorm. So it was definitely um, a big part of, of this FKT, uh, the weather. Yeah. You, you, you made good tactical decisions. Well, yeah, I had uh, an awesome crew to, to rely on and, and who could think with me uh, because, yeah, I'm maybe yeah, very focused on, on the FKT and, and they can confirm, okay, it's, it's reasonable to carry on or um, this would be the better option. So it uh, was... Yeah, really nice to do this with the crew again and, and with some good friends um, who were comparing weather applications and, and who could say, okay, Carl, uh, you've got this and this coming up. Um, and, and yeah, it's part of, of always choosing to go for supported record attempts because this whole dynamic with, with friends and family and, and being allowed uh, support, it's, it's um, yeah, a nice uh, addition to, to setting FKTs for sure. Well, that's, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Because some people say, well, you know, unsupported, self-supported, you're on your own. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the, the game is completely different. The equation yep. is different. Mm -hmm. you're, you're carrying a lot more and you have to figure out everything for yourself. You have to, yep. you know, dress your own blisters and mm -hmm. so forth. Yeah. But with a crew, you know, you're, you're the designated runner, right? You can kind of put your head down and go and someone else could 
figure it out. Yeah. Would you ever consider doing a self-supported or yeah, I well, like what you just said. You, one of the reasons you liked the support isn't maybe because it's easier, although it is, it's because it's your friends and family. Mm-hmm. You enjoy the aspect of sharing it. Yeah, exactly. And, and just like you can compare FKTs with, with races that, that you cannot choose when you want to do it and, and where you want to do it, yeah, maybe where, but, but not when. Like if it's a really bad day, uh, you cannot postpone it or anything. Uh, just like that with an FKT, instead of not being allowed support, if you go for support, it, you can choose your best friends and, and your closest family to join you and, and you can share the whole experience. So I have huge respect for, for self-supported and, and unsupported record attempts and I think in the past there would have been a place in my life for for those FKT attempts and maybe in the future. But at the moment, I just, from my experience during the PCT and the AT uh, and now during the Vialpina, I think it's such a such a cool adventure to to share it together and and to to share those moments in the mountains. And at the moment, it's it's my preferred approach, uh, and that's also why I, I didn't want to. Yeah, put too much too much focus on on the existing FKT on the Via Alpina because it was a self-supported time from uh, Guillaume Artus. Um, yeah, a really fun guy and and um, yeah, uh, huge res- respect for him. But I didn't want to say, yeah, hey, look, uh, I, I beat the record with with two weeks. I mean, these are different adventures. It's it's a different experience. I think there's um, much to say for going supported much to say for going self-supported and i think both are are just super interesting to to follow and and to to do well said carol <laughs> i appreciate your perspective it reminds me of a race where some races most races allow pacing mm-hmm. you know somebody can run with you for the second half mm-hmm. and occasionally that's not allowed and uh, to me I would assume it had no pacing at all. Mm-hmm. But the best argument for a pacer is you can share it. Yeah. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your best friend. So it's not exactly to make it easier, although it does, mm-hmm. is to share the experience, as you said. Yeah, exactly. Hmm, okay. Well, what, uh, man, what a list here. PCTAT via Alpina. So uh, you told me you were going to do this a year ago, actually, <laughs> over a year ago. And you said, you, you made me not tell anyone. You said, I have this really big project come up, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, so are you going to tell me the same thing now? Or are you, or what are you thinking now? Uh, are you going to go into the local 5K? Uh, no, I think, yeah, what I've <clears throat> stumbled upon by, by just setting off on the F, uh, FKT on the PCT uh, and that unique adventure that I experienced over there, and then the AT, the Via Alpina. Now I think this is yeah. I'm still relatively young, so for me this this will remain the um, yeah the most interesting type of adventure, like going for a really long trail, um, sharing it with with close people and and people who want to join some some miles with me. Uh, and so yeah, you you. Uh, heard me in the past when I was dreaming about going back to New Zealand, where I had some some really great hikes and and adventures already. Uh, and so, yeah, um, in the future, I would like to to go back to New Zealand, and um, then yeah, the perfect trail would be the the Tiararoa Trail that that runs the entire length of New Zealand. So, um, yeah, that would be a, an amazing uh, adventure. 
Well, folks, you've heard it first on this podcast, and indeed on this very podcast episode, we spoke. Carol, you don't know this. Mm -hmm. We don't tell anyone. But we spoke with a woman who set the FKT and the Terra Aurora. Right. So uh, we, we, hope to hear, was it, we hope to hear from you again next year, Carol. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I followed along a little bit uh, when she was doing it. And, and yeah, I was confirmed in, uh, that it would be a good idea to, to go back to New Zealand and, and see that amazing scenery again. Experience and it. are you going to look? Are you going to practice your kayaking? <laughs> uh, well, I, I did um, a race in, when I was in New Zealand. Uh, I did a coast-to-coast where you traverse the oh. island in, in one day. And that has um, like 40 miles of kayaking and uh, yeah, whitewater kayaking. And for that, I train a lot. Um, it's been a few years, of course, now. But I think if I um, pick up my kayaking, um, it could be fun to yeah to enjoy the kayaking sections as well. Well, Coast to Coast, for people who do not know this, is the original multi-sport race. I mean, th th you can trace multi-sport racing back to the Coast to Coast. Yeah, the it's, it's been there since since uh, 85 or something, 1985. Yeah, it's been there for a long time. So you got excellent cred. We look forward to hearing from you and years to come. And congratulations again on the number two male FKT of the year. Yeah, thank you so much, Buzz. See you later.